Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to a Mouse Clubhouse conversation. Hi, this is Scott Wolf, and this conversation is with Blaine Gibson. During the decades that Blaine was with Disney, he sculpted some of the most recognizable works in Disneyland and Walt Disney World. This includes Abraham Lincoln, which he originally sculpted for the New York World's Fair, and later every U.S. president from George Washington to George W. Bush for the Hall of Presidents in the Magic Kingdom in Walt Disney World. He sculpted the heads of pirates for the Pirates of the Caribbean, ghosts for the Haunted Mansion, birds for the Tiki Room, animals for the Jungle Cruise, and historical figures such as Benjamin Franklin and Mark Twain for the American Adventure in Epcot. He also sculpted the iconic partner statue of Walt Disney holding hands with Mickey Mouse. But for two decades before Blaine was a sculptor for Disney, he worked in Disney Animation. In this conversation from 2007, I asked Blaine how he got his start with Disney. Here's Blaine Gibson. I was going to school at Colorado University, and I was running out of money. I didn't finish my school there, and I was running out of money, and I didn't think I could finish it. And uh, I was a little concerned because I had enough degrees to get a small teaching job. But uh, it turned out that uh, my brother and my mother, my brother who had graduated from Colorado University, both of my brothers did, older brothers. And uh, so uh, my mother and my brother suggested, well, Blaine, why don't you send in some drawings to Disney? I said, no use, because I haven't even had art school yet. Colorado, Colorado University is noted for its engineers, not for wow. its art classes or its art department. Huh. But anyway, I did send in some drawings. And one of them was, uh, I cho- since I was a farm boy, I chose to send a boy milking a cow and a cat standing by which I was squirting milk in his mouth, which is very typical of us on the farm. Wow. And they sent it back and said, sorry, we can't accept this without a release. I didn't even know what they were talking about. Huh. What they meant was they thought I was sending it in as an idea for a film, which it did turn out later in a film. Oh, no kidding. But uh, whether it was because of mine or just something that came along, but it could have been something somebody had seen. Anyway... Uh, the next step was they sent me a whole brochure of their own to fill out and send in, and they were very precise on the kinds of paper I would use. Wow. I was only 20 years old, so there was not a chance that uh, I could have any of the ideas that they sent in without it being Disney because they had Disney characters. They wanted Mickey... Something with many, huh. and they wanted goofy pole vaulting, I believe, huh. and they had uh, something for uh, different characters, Donald Duck, and so forth. So I proceeded to fill out all of these things, and then they said, "Send in some drawings of your own, but you must specify. It has to be on regular typing paper. Huh. It has to be in HB lead pencil." And it cannot be shaded. It has to be just line. Well, when you're doing animation, the linear work is how they can tell whether you can draw. When you start shading in, then you, it, you know, that 
kind of fakes it. Sure. But when you can draw, you can do things that look look like they're in three dimension, you know, without it being shaded. Right. So uh, I tried to comply as closely as I could to all of their orders, and uh, then they said you can me send along a few of your drawings or whatever finished in whatever manner you want. But these are the things that we want you to do. Now, my uh, thought was that part of it was seeing if the person would be able to take directions, <laughs> because if you deviated from that, what would be the point? And, and they, there would be an indication of whether a person had an ability to take direction, yeah. but that wasn't the main thing. The main thing was to see if the person had the qualities of becoming an animator. So everything I did, I chose to be in action. And that's the way all of their characters were, pole vaulting or skating or doing something of that sort. Yeah. So I sent in some drawings, like they said, I want a man and a woman skating. Well, I this is not a character. It's anything I wanted to invent. And so I had a little teeny skinny guy skating with a big fat lady. <laughs> And uh, in my own mind, I thought it was kind of funny. Yeah, and I sounds funny. Then, and I'd forgotten about them. Oh. And I was uh, chopping wood for my mother because I was a farm boy, and I normally would have been out helping my dad. But I decided that I'd take a couple of weeks off and do drawings and study and so forth to send in to Disney. Well, anyway, I'd forgotten all about it. And one day when I was chopping wood outside... My mother came running up, Blaine, Blaine, you've been accepted into into Disney in the animation department, wow. and you'll be coming to a class, an animation class, and it was in May. Huh. Uh, that had been quite a while. It had been a, about two months since I'd sent my drawings in. Do you know what year it was, Blaine? It was in 1939, wow. May 1939, wow. and it was... Uh, I don't remember the exact day in May, although Disney does, because they've got a, I've got a, a, metal, a metal Mickey that they gave me. Oh, really? And <laughs> just to to give us the uh, honor of seeing when we started. Yeah. Before. Those of us that uh, went to the old studio, the old studio was in in uh, I, in Hollywood, and it was on Hyperion Road, right yeah. near Glendale. Okay. And so uh, this was uh, the place that I was supposed to go. They didn't send me money to pay for my train, so I didn't have any money. So wow. I borrowed money from a rotary club and a woman who raised cattle, and her son was one of my best friends. I mean, her husband was a cattleman, and they were very wealthy. Wow. And so uh, she loaned me $200, and the rotary club loaned me $200. And that was enough for me to get a new suit, which my wife later told me was the ugliest suit she'd ever seen. <laughs> couldn't wait. She couldn't tell me then. Yeah. Couldn't wait for me to get another one. <laughs> I got it at Sears Roebuck. No, Montgomery Ward. Oh, wow. And actually, uh, everything began to click. My mother contacted a friend of hers who had a, a sister or some kind of a relative there in Hollywood who would pick me up at the train station. And I was able to, with the money I borrowed, I was able to get clothes, have a little extra to work going when I got to Hollywood. And this lady uh, got a place at the YMCA for uh, uh, actually uh, just a 
find a place. Yeah. And uh, that was uh, the beginning. Now, she picked me up and uh, took me first to the head of the bank. I don't remember which one it was, but he was a very kind manager of the bank. And he said, I've got a, a place at the YMCA for you for two weeks if you need it. And uh, that was all done for me. Wow. And so I had enough money in the 200 that I had borrowed, I mean the 400 that I had borrowed, to live a while. And uh, it was real good. This lady provided transportation for me for everything I needed. And that was my establishment in Hollywood. Wow. Then one day I decided, well, gosh, I've been, I don't want to stay in that YMCA. That's not my destiny. Anyway, I, I went, uh, the first thing that Walt did in those days, which I thought later, good old thinking, how, what a smart man this man was. He said, I don't want my new employees to be so myopic. They think that their department is the only department, like animation. I always thought, well, that's it. You know? yeah. Oh, no. So he put us in traffic for a while before the class, the animation class, was supposed to open. Huh. Anyway, uh, uh, that uh, time in traffic was to give us an acquaintance with all of the departments that existed at the studio to show that they were all important, wow. not just animation. And that was a real revelation. Yeah. Because as a kid, I was wide-eyed running around seeing the works of these magnificent artists, some from Europe. I even saw one guy animating by painting on cells. I don't think that's a very practical way, and I no. don't think it lasted. He actually drew the, the black man, man, and he was trying things. Wow. And so we had, uh, we had actually uh, uh, the opportunity, and I chose having time card routes for everybody. So I'd go into every department, not just a few. I went into the projection room. <gasps> And here I heard the most magnificent music I'd ever heard in my life. As a farm kid, I'd never heard classical music. My dad didn't like it, and my mother liked classical, of course. But it was one of those things when I heard Fantasia music played by the Philadelphia Symphony. Wow. And me getting a chance to take drinks to Leopold Stokowski. Oh, really? Which was a wonderful experience with this being played in a soundstage right there in the old Hyperion building. And uh, it was a, a chance for me to see, hey, wait a minute, there's a lot going on besides animation. Yeah. The music department and the projection department. And those guys were very nice to me. And I later learned that if I was fast, I could go and pick up the little slips. The manager of the traffic department would set a slip that would come in on the phone. And I'd look at them, and if, if there was a projection room, boy, I headed up there. <laughs> and I was sit there and I got acquainted with the projection guys and they were glad to have me just sit there and listen to the music for a while and even look through and see what was being played. Wow. Because they showed dailies of the various animation going on on Fantasia and uh, it was a, a real fine experience. Well, after all of that, I went into carpenter shops. I saw they even had a carpenter shop. We went into uh, uh, character model shop where they were designing characters. 
even with three dimension then, really. And it was quite, quite a thrill for all of these wonderful mature artists, not a 51-year-old starter. <laughs> I mean, a 21-year-old 21, starter, barely yeah. 21. And huh. so uh, it was really a very uh, good experience and a humiliating experience because I thought, oh, my gosh, these guys are all art school trained, and here I am not even finished with Colorado University, which is not an art school, or was not an art school. And uh, finally they said to us, sorry, your animation class is, is not going to be open. You will have to go straight in production oh. as an inman tweeter. And I guess you've heard what that is. It's the lowest beginning uh, state of an apprentice animator in between. Well, well, yeah. And so... I went in, and I actually made a $5 bonus on my very first scene. And it was a short called uh, Pluto, uh, Bone Trouble with Pluto. Oh. And so wow. so that was kind of a thrill, you know, to not only make it and stay, be able to stay, because the other object was that you'd go home, which is, would be kind of a humiliating experience after not being sent off with bands or anything, but at least being sent off with a lot of hope from parents and friends. And so here I am. I'm at Disney. So I am working. I am an apprentice and with hopes that I would go on. Yeah. And so that was the beginning of the story. So how long did you do the in-betweening then? I was in the in-betweening and until uh, I actually did in-betweens on Fantasia and it got out that I was at, at screen credits. Well, that, w that would have been absolutely absurd for a 21-year-old to have gotten screen credits on an, an animated feature as sophisticated as Fantasia. Somehow or another, it gets sort of stays in there. Wow. Some people say, oh, well, what difference does it make? Well, it does make a difference to me. Mm -hmm. But anyway, uh, well, but that was, uh, that was uh, not only Fantasia, but I did in-betweens on Pinocchio. Oh. I did assistant animation on Bambi. So I was a little further up. That was the next year. Now, what is the difference between assistant animation and ambition? Assistant animator is responsible for giving work to the in-betweeners and breakdown men. And that's pretty complicated. So a breakdown is just a step above the very last in-betweener. Okay. The last in-betweener usually does the last drawing, but it's actually done with animators work with charts. And they're really very easy to read. I mean, when, for instance, nothing in nature or even in cartoons uh, goes into action without slow ins and slow outs, unless it's a sudden bam, you know. Yeah. And uh, there are charts to signifying that. And they're very simple, easy to read symbolically. Everything in, in uh, animation is sort of a simple mathematical problem because everything is based on time and the physics of the action whether it's something object naturally it has if it's heavy it has to start out rather slowly and that is was all charted by the animator which even the lowly uh, assistant and the breakdown man and the in-betweener doesn't even have to worry about it he just in between that's why he's the lowest guy uh, but anyway uh, I became a character animator's assistant on oh. Bambi. Okay. His name was Ken Hulkran. He wasn't a top animator, and I didn't even, as I worked on his work, I thought, hey, 
I could, I don't agree with what he's done here. It turned out that he wasn't doing it quite right, but he was a marvelous draftsman. You know what I mean by yeah. that? Well, what do you mean? Drawing by had power, and it was, uh, it, his drawing was very uh, three-dimensional in its concept, which Disney really liked. He wanted, even though his drawing was linear, to look like it could go in and out of space. Huh. And that couldn't be just two-dimensional type drawing. Actually, it's the same type of drawing that the Renaissance people used. Really? Draw, uh, that was a very big thing that Walt was high on. And we had the very best teachers in the world, which we went to at night on our own time. They, did, they didn't absolutely say you had to, but if you had any brains, you would. <laughs> because uh, that was one of the things that I found that I not only didn't miss anything in not continuing on my art part of my education at Colorado University, but when we came to Disney, we had the best teachers in the world. Walt was always ahead on that. Was the class in a school, or was this a class at the studio? It was a class at the studio. Oh, it was at the studio. No, they brought in the best instructors I see. from Chouinard. And then when Bambi came along, they even brought in the considered to be the best draftsman. By that, I mean a man who could draw linearly and make it look like it, you could lift it. It made it look like it had form and shape. And, and his name was Rico Lebrun. And uh, he would give us comparative anatomy, which is a very good basis to think about when you're doing animals that are having the personalities of people, like Bambi. And that's why he was brought in. Walt's whole aim seemed to be away from slapstick, but into believability. He didn't, that doesn't mean it had to be real. It had to be believable. Even a doorknob speaking under the great art ability and a great uh, talent of Frank Thomas could talk and you could believe it. When did you start sculpting? You said you that was a hobby. I started sculpting when I was five years old. No kidding? Sculpting and drawing, too. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, that, cutting, now, out, cutting out silhouettes of animals on the farm. No kidding. Before I started the school. Wow, my son is five. I can't even imagine. But that doesn't that. mean I was real good. It's just something my mother tolerated and yeah. let me work in mud. I didn't have <laughs> money to pay for clay, which plastiline was what they used in school. That's amazing. So young, you were doing all of that. Oh yeah, but I won't say they're good. I'll say yeah, yeah, but still, I did them. But people enjoyed them, and my teachers sort of awed at them. But uh, I, I, I wouldn't say they were good. I was just a kid doing what he wanted to do. Yeah. But you were uh, you were also a, an artist as far as drawing goes. Oh, yes. Well, yes, drawing. Of course, animation is drawing. Right. And the sculpture that I did on the side had to wait until I had a place and and uh, could continue it on. But I married a wonderful lady who not only tolerated me, but let me actually use the kitchen to sculpt in as soon as we were married. So that didn't have a long, long wait. Well, I really... Continued to sculpt. In fact, when Walt asked me later on, 1960, to uh, come out to what was going to be his place, Walt Disney Imagineering, in Glendale, I uh, didn't want to leave animation. I loved animation. There's nothing more. I can't imagine a bigger high than having a 
you do of a live person or animal, a dog, doesn't matter, it can be a dog, anything, that is believable when it comes back on the screen and says what it's supposed to do in the story. Hmm. And it's a very thrilling thing. Ah, I'd prove that. Naturally, you're, you're in the confines of what the story is all about. You always have to be in tune with the story. You can't try to be a star when your part isn't a star, but you can make it believable and make it fit in and make it enhance the story. And that was the thrill of being an animator. Wow. So after you did the in-betweening and the assistant, what was the next step? The I know next step, of course, was doing animation. It was. And I did for several years uh, during the war years simply because we did war films for the Army and Navy. Effects animation was the only thing available. Well, naturally, I did. That wasn't what I was shooting for. Right. But I did stay in there quite a while, and I did all kinds of short effects. And the effects that was not a uh, what I really wanted to do. I wanted huh. to do character animation, but at that time, we had to do uh, airplanes showing how to bail out of P-38s uh, and all that sort of thing because the World War II was starting and was on. And so the Army and Navy and Air Force sort of took Disney over. A lot of people don't don't know that history, but it actually was true. And they were on the lot? Right on the lot, right wow. on the studio lot. We did that. And we had, had to have the same kind of uh, security that uh, you would have had at a, an aircraft company or or any other government uh, uh, thing that was very strict. That's amazing. A lot of times the films I worked on, I must say, because of my rather still not very high uh, rating, I had, you know, it takes a long time to become a real good animator. Unless you just happen to be thrown into it, you can do it very rapidly if if that's what you get started on. But sometimes because the, the old animators don't, don't quit. They just stay there. Huh. And you're satisfied for quite a few years wow. with those older animators. So it doesn't mean that the younger animators are going to just come in and say, I'm going to take Frank Thomas's place or, or Ward Kimball's place or any of those great animators that were animating at that time. You're going to let them do it, and then you're going to help them for a while. Wow. So, But the, getting back to the effects animation. Yeah. Uh, the effects animation was doing things like shadows, smoke, but all of the art, all of the vehicles that might be used to illustrate a point in the in the uh, army or navy or air force program wow. at that time. So it was a uh, very uh, a good experience, but it wasn't what I set out to do, and I went finally back into character and worked with Frank Thomas, who was, I considered, the best animator ever lived. Yeah. Effects animation has always fascinated me. It, it's just unbelievable. It, it's obviously not the characters like you said, but... Uh, I don't mean to belittle effects animators. Mm-hmm. I think it's marvelous. Oh, yeah. No, I understand what you're but saying. Water. Water. Is, you can imagine trying to animate water. Well, it can be done to where yeah. it really is believable. Water. Even Look water. the water in uh, Pinocchio. I think that's a magnificent illustration of what linear animation can do even with something as unshapely as water, as a, you know,
It's just not, it, it's anything. And yet it has to be water, fire, like in Bambi. Right. The animation, well, I was doing character in Bambi. But in, 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 Bam, in Bambi, the fire was wonderful, you know. It wow. did its job. And yet it was graphic. It was really just drawing and trying to get a simulation of fire. And it, I think it did its job. Oh, yeah. The animator gave you the cue as to what to do. The effects do everything that is not character, except even sometimes birds and simple animals or wow. something like that. Oh, I didn't know that. Or even simple human groups. <clears throat> sometimes it's done in the effects department. But they don't get into the character, and, and the character is what I was interested in, actually. Yeah. So after you were an effects animator, was the next step a character animator for you? Yes, and that was what I was going to do, was character animation. I didn't even think or know there was such a thing as effects animation huh. and all of the other subordinate things that were important. Yeah. I was actually 10 years an effects animator. Wow. And 10 years as a character animator. And I enjoyed the, I enjoyed them both. But one of them began, I just said, this is not for me, so I went to the head of the animation department. Mm-hmm. And I said, I want to get with a top animator, and I'll take a $25 salary cut, $25 a week salary cut, just to get with a great uh, animator if there's any opening. And the one who I thought about when I said the great animator was Frank Thomas, the very best in the world, according to most viewpoints. Yeah. And he he was ready to take me on, so I did a, a test. It was a short scene, only about 10 feet, I think. It was a actually Tramp, and Lady and the Tramp was just getting started, mm-hmm. and Frank was uh, into it already pretty heavily. And so I showed that to Frank, and he said, well, it's already better than some of the stuff that's in here. Of course, I didn't know whether that was a compliment or not, <laughs> because I'm sure there were some beginning animators that were not doing the greatest work. But anyway, it was encouraging to me. Yeah. And so he took me on as a, an assistant but not an assistant that would always be a professional assistant, an assistant that was going to be an animator. And I thought that was pretty darn generous. Yeah. So it was certainly worth me giving up my $25 a week. And salaries were not very big then, so $25 was quite a cut in those days. Yeah. But Frank and I got along very well, and he was very generous from the very beginning. We hope you've enjoyed this Mouse Clubhouse conversation. Thank you for joining us.